thanks for coming and we're gonna we're gonna we'll talk a little bit more about Saul today but we'll mostly be talking about David um, and as we're talking as Randall and Vicki and some of were coming in we we're talking about Saul and it's kind of hard to get away from Saul he's just he's just such a fascinating character this guy who I believe sort of wants to do the right thing but he never quite pulls it off you know he and and I, and I feel for him because as I was telling, telling Randall if if I had been there and and my my army was leaving me and I've been waiting Samuel says I'm going to be there in seven days and it's seven days and he ain't there I'm probably going to do exactly I'm going to go ahead and offer the sacrifice myself just like Saul did and then 30 minutes later, here comes Samuel. So <laughs> I wonder if it has something to do with the chapter before Samuel resigned. Yeah, yeah. It's Again, it's... It, it, yeah, I, I can sympathize with Saul. Very much so. But we're going to talk about David. And here's... As I was preparing this lesson a few weeks ago, I was thinking... And I, I, asked, I found myself thinking about a question I'd never before thought of in my life. And that is, if there were one woman in the Bible... I could marry any one woman in the Bible. Who would I marry? And we're going to talk about her today. It's not Bathsheba. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to be watching my back, I think, if I was married to Bathsheba. So anyway, we left off kind of last week. Uh, you know, Saul has, 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 been, has been rejected as king. And, and we find Samuel... Samuel's still grieving over the fact that this man who, who he had anointed, who, who God had chosen, is not the guy. He's disappointed him. He, you know, the, we had the incident with the sacrifice. Then the real killer is he comes back from the battle of the Amalekites and he's brought all the, the livestock and cattle back that he was supposed to destroy. So Saul is suffering from what a lot of us, he's depressed. He's, and, and, and God comes in and says, how long are you going to grieve Saul over Saul? I've got, this is God speaking. I've rejected him from being king. Now get your horn with oil and set out and I'll send you to Jesse the Benjamite for I provided myself a king among his sons. <laughs> Saul says, well, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not going there. I'm like, if, I get out, if I get out in the open, Saul's going to kill me. So, well, so God sends him on anyway so the elders come and they meet him and, and, and the elders are actually afraid I'm not sure they're afraid of Solomon or afraid if they associate with him they're going to be in the same fix he's in but whatever and they said are you coming in peace he says peaceably I've come to sacrifice to Jehovah that should be small caps and sanctify yourselves and come sacrifice with me so, it's, so he's, kind of, he's there to anoint David but he says he, it's not really a lie when he says he's come to sacrifice, because he goes ahead and sanctifies Jesse and all the sons, and they all they go to sacrifice. And we're sitting there, and, and here's here's a replay of Saul. He looks, and here comes Eliab, the old, I think he's the oldest. He saw this must be the guy. And and you can, and it, I think Eliab must have been like Saul because he says, Don't look at his appearance, the height of his stature. Here's the photogenic candidate comes up, Eliab. And, and, and so, you'd think Samuel would have learned, but Samuel says, oh, this must be the man. He's good looking, he's tall, handsome guy, he's our candidate. And God says, 
Do I need, do I need to remind you, Samuel? Don't look on his outward appearance. I've rejected him. The Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we, we over and over see this talk about David and being a man of God's own heart. So anyway, so he goes through, runs all, seven sons get run through. And it's almost a replay of Samuel's anointing. Remember? Or Saul's anointing. Samuel goes through all, all the sons. And he says, is there another one? And where, where is Saul though? He's hiding in, with, with the baggage. But David is out looking over the sheep. So we have a similar story, but we have a big difference. Samuel is afraid. David is doing his job. So he says, bring him down. And, and he says, there's a sense of urgency. He says, we're not going to sit down until he comes here. So sure enough, David shows up. They take the oil, and he's anointed in the presence of his brothers. So this is, this is David has now been selected. But we're going to see there's a long time being anointed is not being king. We saw it with Samuel. You know, remember, Samuel is anointed, or Saul. Y'all stop me when I mess up Saul and Samuel. I'm sorry. Saul is anointed, and then when the first big challenge comes, what was Saul out doing? He was plowing. That's hardly a kingly activity. So even though he was anointed, he wasn't king. Really, the king. So David has been anointed. And, and, and a, a real interesting statement here. A, a contrast. We see the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Sam, Saul goes to Ramah. And the Spirit of the Lord departs from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. An indication that God's favor, God's preference has moved from Saul to David. So that there's the anointing, there's this movement of God's spirit, and we're going to see some more about this, whatever this evil spirit is as we go on. So God is, David's now God's man, but it's still a way to go. So how does David meet Saul? Well, Saul, I think we today... We'd say Saul was clinically depressed, among other issues. Who knows? And it, apparently he'd have these bouts of serious depression or whatever. And he says, bring, and music hath power to soothe the savage beast. So he says, bring me someone who can play. Find somebody and bring him to me. And one of his servants there says, I've seen this son of Jesse. And I love the way he described him. Skillful in playing, a man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech, and a man of God's of good presence, and Jehovah is with him. What a what a, I don't know about the music part, but what a great description of a man. This man, David, as a young man still. So he says, I've seen this man. And Saul brings him to him, and he hears him play. And at this stage, we're told Saul loved him. Loved him greatly. He became his armor bearer. And, and he sends word to his daddy. And he says, let David remain in my service for he's found favor in my sight. So whenever this, whatever this evil spirit was, when it came on Saul, David would take his lyre and go play to Saul and it would relieve him. So he was an intimate of Saul, but a confidant, his armor bearer. He was... The man Saul called to whenever this, this depression or whatever came on him. So he enjoys this special place at court. Now, let's talk a little about 
we're going to move on. We're, we're skipping over some stuff. We're going to be moving around a lot today. And let me say, if there's something about David we're not covering, let me know and we'll work it in next week or the week after. We're not going to talk about... I'm, I'm not planning to talk about David and Bathsheba. We all know that story. Gregory Peck and who was the... I don't remember who... Anyway, <laughs> don't, tr- don't trust... The, the movie's a great movie, but the story's not quite like the movie. Anyway... So, you know, we, we have the story, Goliath is described. We'll talk a little bit later about this kind of reintroduction of David. Uh, David is sent by Jesse, and he says, I want you to take some grain and bread for your brothers, uh, take some tin cheeses for the commander, you know, kind of get your brothers in good with the, the commanding officer, so we'll give him some cheese. And then David gets there and he learns that about Goliath and he's taunting and he's he's told that who anybody that can conquer Goliath or Goliath will get riches the king's daughter and his family will be made free in Israel this probably means in the commentaries I read they'd be off the tax rolls who wouldn't have to pay any taxes anymore it's a pretty good deal so anyway David goes on and 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 here's uh, what, you know, Goliath would come out apparently every day and say, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. And then this is where David asked the question that we just answered. Actually, he says, what will be done for the man? You know, who is this uncircumcised? And he's told he'll get the uh, you know, money, the girl, and uh, no taxes. So anyway, here's David. And his brothers, you know, look at him and and this is actually Eliab who, who, who says this. This is the brother who was passed over by Samuel. And they said, what are you doing here? You know, kid. Remember, David's the youngest. He says, you know, you, you just came down here to see the battle. He said, I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. You know, brothers don't always get along. And that seems to be the case between Eliab and David. He said, you, you just come down to watch all the action. But uh, we find out later. David goes up to Saul. He says, don't, get, don't be afraid of this guy. Your servant's going to go fight him. I'm going to go fight him. And Saul said, you're just a kid. And he's, he's been a warrior all his life. And David goes on and says, your servant has killed both lions and bears and the uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them since he's defiled the armies of God. David says, I'm not afraid. I've, I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear. So, now, I started, the other thing I asked, would I let David fight if I'd been Saul? Not sure I would have. Look what, look what the challenge is. If he is able to fight and kill me, then we will be your servants. This is Goliath. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants in service. I'm not sure I'd let this kid go out there. You know, if 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 either either the, I think either either one Saul had great faith in David, or two he was he wasn't going to buy this if, if David lost. He was going to hit the road, and we'll see later. He kind of almost like he did. So anyway, there's a, for some reason Saul decides to let David fight. Again, I'm. Uh, I don't know why. I wouldn't have. <laughs> I wouldn't have bet my life on this kid. But anyway, David goes out, and and I like this. Uh, the more you read, yeah, you know, I read this too much. But 
there, there are lots of night similarities. He says God. It didn't say just God saved from the bear. He said from the paw of the bear, lion, from the paw of the bear, and he'll save me from the hand of this Philistine. This kind of structure that's there. That the literary structure I really love. And Saul says, "Well, here, take my armor." They now I don't need any armor. He takes five stones. And you guys sling. Now, if you remember the sermon that Josh preached on David and Goliath a while back, what's what's uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book? Okay. Well, I don't quite agree with it. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing was there was that David was superior. Having a sling was David had superior uh, battle equipment for the type of battle. But to me, it kind of goes against the spirit of the, the To me, the spirit of the passage is not that David planned better, but that God delivered Israel. Not David's smartness in bringing the sling. But anyway, but he takes this. And Goliath. You know, what do you think? You're, you're nine feet tall or whatever. Here comes this kid. He says, am I a dog? Is that, you know, if you want to use a sling, you know, go kill a dog, but don't come after me that way. So the Philistines, and he cursed David by his gods. And of course, we know the story. Uh, great little, great speech. You come with sword, spear, and javelin. Notice he doesn't say a sling. He says, but I come to you in the name of Jehovah of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. He says, this very day Jehovah will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the earth. Pretty, pretty gutsy talk. And, and I, yeah, I wonder if when he heard this, Goliath kind of stood back and said, or maybe just maybe just laughed. But anyway, and notice he says what's going to happen and then he gives a reason. So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that Jehovah does not save by sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. What a, this is a great speech. I love this speech. A speech. That's exactly what, what was told to Joshua when he entered the land. Yeah. It's not your battle. Yeah. And, and, and it's not superior arms. You know, it's, it's not because, and you know, we're making a point here. We're, I'm, not, I'm coming with a slingshot. So get ready and know that there's a God in Israel. Great this, this, and you know, we remember when we started last week with Saul. We said, "Well, let's look at the difference between Saul and David." And boy, this is the guy who wrote the Psalms. I'm sorry, you know. There, there's poetry in his speech. I just love it. Yeah. Anyway, so he goes out. David, he runs up, reaches in that bag, gets his stone, hits it, hits Goliath in the forehead, and he doesn't kill him. But he runs over, reaches down, pulls up Goliath's sword, kills him, and then <coughs> cuts off his head. If you're teaching third and fourth grade boys, they love it. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the Bible stories those guys like. And we talked about it. This is a violent world that the Jews are in. You know, it's not the world we live in today. It's, it's a world of violence. And we're going to see some more of that as we see regime change. Here. But anyway, so Goliath is killed. The Philistines, they, they hit the road. They're running. Again, think of the shock. 
of this huge guy and this little kid killing him. Israel goes as far as Gath and is the custom in that time, but then they return and uh, plunder the camp. Now, interesting, uh, David takes uh, Goliath's armor, puts it in his tent, and he takes his head and heads to Jerusalem. And uh, it appears, back when we talked about how confident Saul was, maybe Saul has already taken off and gone to Jerusalem because he, he didn't want to be out in the battlefield when David got killed. That's, that's the way I kind of read it. Is that Saul has hit the road already and he's back in Jerusalem. And it's a little confusing. And, and, and uh, Remember last week when you talked about the fact that Israel didn't have any swords? Only right, they only had... Saul and Jonathan had, had the armor, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think one of the things that Malcolm Gladwell taught me is that Israel, the whole army, that's all they had. They had hoes and pigs. And, yeah. And they had slings. Yeah. That's yeah. Although I'm not, I, I don't know how, I need to go back and look at how much time's passed. The Philistines, after they're driven out, they may have gotten armed. But what, what Randall's mentioning, if you weren't here last week, is when the first battles with Saul, Saul goes up against the Philistines, the Philistines are controlling things, and the blacksmiths, there, there, are, no, there are no Jewish blacksmiths, Israelite blacksmiths. And all they had, so they, when they go out to battle, they have their hoes and their sickles and all that stuff sharpened, and that's how they go to battle. So now we go, and this, this is a little puzzling, and, and we'll talk about it, but now uh, Saul, he sees David go out against the Philistine. He asks Abner, who's general, says, whose son is this young man? As your soul lives, Abner says, I don't know. And so uh, the king says, find out who he is. And, David, and then on David's return, Abner takes him before Saul. And uh, Saul said, whose son are you, young man? David answers, I'm the son of Jesse the Benjamite. Now, chapter before this, David was an intimate of Saul. Or he's in, you know, he's, he, you know, he, he calms him when he's, he's uh, mad or whatever. So how is it that now he doesn't know him? Well, we don't get into it a lot, but it's possible that the, Deuteron the, honor the Deuteronomist, the author of this history, may have, may have taken two separate uh, traditions and combined them to put his book together. And, this, and, and, and it may not be in chronological order, we don't know. But it is a little puzzling that in the previous book, David seems to be very intimate and close to Saul. And at this point, before or after, Saul doesn't know who he is. But anyway, David says, I'm the son of your servant Jesse the Benjamite. And, and we can imagine he's here to pick up his reward. Money, the girl, and uh, tax-free status. Uh, just before we go on, uh, David and Jonathan as, as meet here. And they become intimate friends. We're told the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him his own soul. Uh, and they made a covenant. And again, Saul, Jonathan gives him the robe and even his sword and bow and belt armor. So this very tight, and we'll see later as uh, David's fleeing from Saul how this uh, plays out. So anyway, uh, immediately there's a problem. We've got Saul, who we know has some sort of mental problems. He's insecure. And we find out that the women are singing. And the song goes, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. 
So, you're Saul, you're insecure, you, you know, Samuel has told you, you know, the kingdom is going to be taken away. And he, and he, and he says, yeah, they're, they're ascribing ten thousands, tens of thousands to David, and they've only given me thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? He's after my job. Almost like, sound like the corporate world. <laughs> and then I love this statement, so Saul eyed David from that day on. It huh? almost makes me think of something like, you know, Stalin, Joseph Stalin, yeah. the leader of the Soviet Union, yeah. who was known to be paranoid. And purged there were people, millions of people. There were people out to get him at all times and... Yeah. You know, in this case, it was. It's almost as if Saul is, you know, paranoid about being, you know, oh, yeah. served. Yeah. When you're at the top, it's it's lonely. We, we I mean, look at North Korea. The same thing. You got a leader who reportedly has killed even his own relatives around him because he's so paranoid about someone taking over. So that sort of spirit comes to Saul. And here again, we see how that kind of plays out. Here's David. Playing his harp as he did every day, and Saul's sitting there with a spear in his hand. And he thinks, ah, <laughs> yeah, I've never kind of had these thoughts, but ah, I'll, just, I'll just pin him to the wall. <laughs> and, David, and we're told David got away twice. You know, again, that's the point at which I start looking for a new job. <laughs> you know, I mean. I think it was Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it took twice, but uh, and and again, it just gets worse. David has success in all these undertakings. Saul sees this, and as soon as he says, he stood in awe. And then, but the problem is, all Israel and Judah loved David, for it was he who marched out and came in leading them. So Saul's popularity is going down. David's popularity is going up. And, and Saul is, again, you, you can almost see him just draw in, in on himself. You know, now I just have a really kind of a strange image of Saul being like an, an incumbent president and David being like a newcomer. Yeah, this, this is, this is exactly. It, it's, here's a new guy coming up. He's after, you know, he's after my job. How am I going to, what can I do to stay in power? Meanwhile, remember, David was promised the girl. So... Mm. Uh, Saul said, well, here's my daughter Mirba. Uh, give her to you as a, ba a wife. Only be ba valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. He said, now, why did he do that? He says, I'm not going to kill him. I'll let, the, I'll let the Philistines kill him for me. Get out there and fight, David. And, and David goes and fights, but he doesn't get killed. And in the meantime, despite the fact he's promised her to David, he gives Mirab to uh, Adriel who's a member of that tribe, whatever, whoever they are, the Meholophites. Anyway, so, so he, he jilts David, he zips David on the daughter, but we find out there's another daughter. And I had a friend long ago who said, it's easier, rather than saying a daughter Michael, let's call her Michelle, okay? <laughs> that, anyway, and, and this, this daughter loves David. And Saul thinks, oh, it pleases him. But, again, why does it please him? I'll give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines be against him. So he says, and David being the, you know, he says the right thing. He says, you know, here I am, a poor man and no, no money. I really don't deserve your daughter. And he says, oh, I don't, 
I don't want a big wedding gift, only the foreskins of a hundred Philistines. <laughs> so, the Phil so going to try again to get rid of David, this time by demanding that he come up with a hundred Philistine foreskins. But what happens? Oh, let's skip over this one. Talk about it. Uh, he comes up with them. Michelle is given to David as a wife. Saul is even madder. He talks to Jonathan uh, about killing David. Jonathan warns David. Uh, I don't want to get in here. And, 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 and he, goes, he goes to Saul and he says, The king should not sin against his servant David because he has not sinned against you. His deeds have been of good service to you, and for he took his life in his hand when he attacked the Philistines and brought you a great victory to Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why are you sin against the innocent people by killing David without cause? Uh, so he makes a case. And, and look at what Saul does. He goes says, as, as Jehovah lives, he shall not be put to death. So Jonathan says, oh, good news. You're safe. Uh, my father swore not to kill you. Uh, so we have another fight. But then we have this thing again, the evil spirit from the Lord. And Saul tries to kill David again with a spear. This time we're told the spear actually stuck in the wall. So David hits the road. And he goes back to his house. And Saul says, okay, let's put a stake out on the house. I'm going to go kill this guy in the morning. So David's there. And Michelle says, if you don't save your life tonight, you're going to be dead tomorrow. You've got to do something. And she actually helps in his escape. David sneaks out the window and they take a, an idol and they put goat's hair on the head and they put it in the bed and when Saul or the people show up they say oh David's sick let's not bother him and meanwhile David's hitting the road he's gone and now Saul is bad at Michelle but she claims well David said he'd kill me if I didn't help him escape David goes uh, seeks he goes to Ramah and then we have an interesting Saul goes into another prophetic frenzy and if you remember that ha when he's first anointed, that's what happens, right? He sees the signs from God, he meets the prophets, and he goes into this prophetic frenzy. So we have these two kind of prophetic frenzy episodes that bracket a lot of his life, his time with God. Anyway, but let's go on. So we're, now we're going to fast forward over into 2 Samuel. Yeah, we're good. Okay. And we're going to see about David and Michelle. Now, David has been is fully established as king, and the ark's returned to Jerusalem. Where's the ark been? What? what? It's been the, way back when the Philistines captured it. Back in, if you go back to 1 Samuel, and I wrote down because I can't remember all these names. So the Philistines capture the ark. Big deal. We got the ark, and what do they do? They take it back back to at the city of Ashdod, and they put it in the temple of Dagon. What happened? They come in the next morning. Dagon is face down on the on the ground, bowing down to the ark. So well, sitting back up again. <laughs> they sitting back up again. They come back the next morning, and not only is he down, but his hands and his head have been removed, and they're on the threshold of the room. And they said, "This is not good." So, they, and, and people are getting these tumors and getting sick. So, yeah, maybe this isn't such a good idea at all. And so they call the folks down at Gath. 
said, have we got a deal for you? We have this, this Israelite ark that we're, we're not using anymore. We're going to give it to you. So it goes down to Gath. And guess what happens in Gath? They, they start getting sick and having all these disease, tumors and diseases. And, and now I'm just thinking of the um, Indiana Jones yeah, the, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. where it's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of where that, you know, this idea that the ark is fatal. Well, the folks at Gath, it doesn't take them very long. They, they hold a meeting. They go to the good folks and say, hey, folks at Ekron. <laughs> and the folks at Ekron, they end up, it sounds like when you read it, they don't even want it. They say, no, no, that's okay. We're good. But they end up getting it anyway and they get sick. And then they have a big council of all the Philistine leaders. They said, well, yeah, well, let's, let's, let's do something here. And somebody says, let's send it back to Israel. Let's get rid of this thing. You know, it's, it is not a good thing for us to have this. And so they, they come together and they send it to Israel and they actually put a tribute with it of five golden mice and five golden tumors. And those represent the five big cities of the Philistines. And so it's sent back to Israel. There's initially a problem in, I can't remember, Beth Shemesh. But then it ends up going to the threshing floor of Abinadad, right? And he has his son Eliezer watch over it, and it stays there for 20 years. So it's been there 20 years. I mean, is that in Jerusalem? I don't, I don't think. No, I don't think so because we're, we're going to bring it to Jerusalem from there, right? I mean, maybe I don't know where it is, but yeah. anyway. So David's going to return it to the city proper from wherever it is. And, and, and again, another story we're going to kind of go over quickly. They put it on a cart. It's not, not the way it's supposed to be transported. And Ohio and uh, Uzzah accompany it. They're going, it starts to fall. Uzzah reaches out to steady it, and he's killed because he touched the holy ark. Anyway, so then they stop it at uh, the threshing floor of Obed-Edom, isn't it? Yes. And they let it stay there, and, and nothing happens. Obed-Edom prospers, and David said, let's bring it back to Jerusalem. And so they bring it back, and I mean, it is a festival. We're not going to go into detail, but if you look, it's fun to read, 1 Samuel 6. There, it's like a parade bringing this thing in, in which David takes part wearing the linen ephod. And Saul, Michelle, is sitting up there looking out the window. And she looks, and I mean... As you say in Alabama, David is cutting a rug. He is dancing like crazy. He's leaping up and dancing before the Lord. And it really upsets her. Why would it upset her? We're going to see in a minute. But you know, he's the king. You're supposed to have a little dignity. You know, you are the king. You're not and then we see they he come he's he gets through with the parade, he comes into the house. And Michelle, I was, I'm going to read this, but I was tempted to have a woman read it in the nastiest voice you can. <laughs> but look what she says. Look she doesn't say, <laughs> she doesn't say, I was a little concerned today. Or she, look, look what she says. She says, how the, how the king of Israel honored himself today. Uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants made as any vulgar fellow might shamelessly uncover himself. Apparently, he exposed himself when he's dancing. 
and she is just furious and instead of and, and she just I have to say comes at it in the worst way she can you know, it, it didn't I was upset it's oh you made a real fool of yourself today you know now if you think that is nasty here comes here comes David look at him he said it was before the Lord Jehovah who chose me in place of your father and all his household to appoint me as prince over Israel the people of the Lord that I have danced before the Lord and he says I will make myself yet more contemptible than this and I will be abased in my own eyes but by the maids of whom you have spoken by them I shall be held in honor wow I was chosen over your whole family and I danced before the Lord and then to me one of the saddest sentences in the Old Testament the daughter of Saul had no child to the day of her death I mean I guess you could read that that God struck her sterile barren but what I read is David had nothing to do with her from that day forward you know marriage destroyed in a day but again these two headstrong people sad story you know and, and remember Michelle loved him she went to him she saved his life at a risk of her own life and this is the way it ends okay we've got about seven or eight minutes and now okay David hits he's on the run now he's with his mighty men I want you to notice who these folks were everyone who was in distress everyone who was in debt everyone who was discontented gathered to him this is not the Chamber of Commerce okay <laughs> This is not. Well, maybe you're good point. You got, you got me, Sally. But these are about 400 of them. These are some pretty rough and tough guys that David's running with. So he's on the run. Now, this is my woman. If I were going to marry any woman in the Bible, this is who it'd be. Abigail, I love her, and she is married to this man Nabal and he is a fat cat he's got three thousand sheep and a thousand goats he is a rich man now David's men he's had his sheep out there and David's guys go to him and they say peace to you and all your house peace be all you have I've heard that you have shears now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm and they missed nothing all the time we were in Car they were in Carmel therefore let my young men find favor in your sight for we have come on a feast day give us whatever you have in hand of your servants and to your son David so David's men have been out there and if we put it in New York and put an Italian accent we'd say it's a protection racket um, that may be overstepping but David said yeah my guys were there you're not missing anything nobody got hurt so show us your appreciation you know and now, and now I'm just imagining as you said it being spoken in Italian. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we, we need a little, you know, need a little something. So here we go. So here's old Nabal, being the guy he is, he said, 
who is David? Who's the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are breaking away from their masters. Is that who he is? Should I take my bread and water and meat that I butchered for my shears and give it to the men who come from I do not I don't know where? Why should I give you anything? You want to see David? Watch what happens. They come back. What does David say? Saddle up, boys. Every man strap on his sword. And every one of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. About 400 men went up after David and while 200 remained with the baggage. In other words, they've, they've gone to 600 now. But I mean, he doesn't ask any... It's, it's, if you read the... I just put this out, but if you read this, this is all there is. David doesn't stop and think, well, I wonder what I ought to do. Again, saddle up, boys. We're, we're, go we're going to, to see Mr. Nabal. Now... Here's we meet my girl. So David, you know, they, the servants of Nabal go to Abigail and they say, David sent these messengers and Nabal shouted insults after them. The men were very good to us. We suffered no harm. We never missed anything. As long as we were with them, they were a wall by night and day. So they protected from other things as well as themselves. All the time we were keeping... And then he says, Now therefore know this and consider what you should do. And evil has been decided against our master and decided against all his house. He is so ill-natured no one can speak to him. In other words, this is not looking good and Nabal's not listening. So what does Abigail do? She gets ready to go. She gets 200 loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, parched grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 fig cakes, but she did not tell Nabal. She's decided there's no future in telling Nabal. So she gets on her donkey. She obviously has people with her carrying all this stuff. And she came under cover of the mountain. David's men came down to her and she met them. So she, here she comes out. She didn't know she's going to live or die. Again, 400 men are riding fully armed and they're, they're not happy. So David comes, he meets her, doesn't do anything immediately. He said, surely it was in vain that I protected all this fellow has in the wilderness. Nothing was missing. And he says, he has returned me evil for good. God do so to me and more if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. David says, we're riding. He said, tomorrow morning there's not going to be a single man left in Nabal's household. They're gonna, every one of them is going to be dead. He's He's hot. So Abigail says, My Lord, do not take seriously this ill-natured fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal means fool. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you did not see those young the young men you sent. And finally she said she gives this plea, and she says, And when the Lord has dwelt well with my Lord, remember your servant. Don't forget who I am. She comes back. Nabal's having a big, he's having a big party. Remember, they've sheared the sheep. It's a time of celebration. His heart was merry. And he wasn't just drunk. He was very drunk, we're told. And she doesn't, she doesn't mention this to him. I love her. She, goes, she just goes to bed. Morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal. He's sober, but he's certainly hung over. His wife told him these things. And his heart died within him. He became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Now, what does, what's David do now? 
I love it. David heard that Nabal was dead. He said, Blessed be the Lord who has judged the case of Nabal's insult to me. He's kept back his servant from evil. He goes on. David sent and wooed Abigail and make, to make her his wife. He is no fool. It's a great... I love this story. You know, it, it, again, it, tell, it tells us what a... You know, this interesting individual of David who, who he's, he's insulted, he's put down, and man, he's a man of action. He does not fool around. But he's willing to listen to Abigail. And again, he knows a good thing when he sees it. So she becomes his wife. Uh, they come to Abigail says, David has sent us to take him as his wife. She rose and bowed down and said, Your servant is a slave to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. She gets up hurriedly, rode away on her donkey. Her five maids attended her. She went after the messengers of David and became his wife. Again, I love this story. It's, it's, it's a story It tells us this great man of action, but it tells him he's also a man of, of mercy when called on. So, and so um, let's stop there. We're out of time. We'll, we'll pick up here next week as David solidifies himself as king of Judah. But again, I hope... We, again, I, to me, the value is seeing these people as individuals. We saw Saul as this man who couldn't quite get it done. Well, David's going to get it done. We may question how he does it, but he's a man of action. He's a man of great faith. And uh, again, I, I just we're talk about more about him next week. And if there's any of the episodes that are your favorites, let me know. And we'll try to cover them. Any, any questions? I've talked way too much today. I need to involve you guys more. But anyway, I love I love these stories. I love these people. So thank you for coming, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. My daughter Luke and my daughter my daughter Sarah and her husband Luke are in the back. If you want to meet them, so thank you for coming. <laughs>